Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new week of AutoLine Daily. Here's what's been going on in the global automotive industry since we last saw you on Friday. Earlier in the year, Nissan announced that it's developing an electric version of its NV200 small cargo van, and now we've got a few more details. Production will begin in the middle of next year at the company's plant in Barcelona, Spain, or maybe I should say Barcelona. The ENV200 first goes on sale in Japan, and then the rest of the world. As you know, Honda makes more than just cars. We've shown you this walking assist device from the company in the past, and now researchers and physical therapists from the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago are testing it with stroke victims. It weighs about six pounds and is powered by a lithium-ion battery that lasts about an hour. And in other Honda alternative mobility news, the company introduced the next generation version of its Unicub device called the Unicub Beta. Like a Segway, you control the, the vehicle by shifting your body weight, but you sit in the Unicub instead of standing on it. The new version weighs about 55 pounds and is powered by a lithium ion battery. It has a top speed of just under four miles an hour and a range of about 3.7 miles. You know, Toyota has something similar and it sure is interesting to see these Japanese automakers keep developing and refining this concept. Hyundai is working on a new gasoline engine that it claims could be a game changer because it acts like a diesel. It's projected to get 25% better fuel economy than a regular gasoline engine, but at a lower cost than a diesel. The 1.8 liter engine has a 14.8 to one compression ratio that will ignite gasoline without using spark plugs. But it is not an HCCI engine or homogeneous charge ignition engine like other automakers have been working on. Hyundai calls this the PPCI or partially premixed compression ignition. The key to making it work is multiple late injections and by late, I mean right at top dead center. Impressively, it can run on 87 octane. The engine uses both a supercharger and a turbocharger. Hyundai is working with the supplier company Delphi on the system, but they still have some kinks to work out, like making it be able to start up at 40 below zero. But they say it could be in the next Hyundai Elantra sometime in the next five years. In 2007, Congress enacted the Renewable Fuel Standard, requiring the country to use 36 billion gallons of renewable fuel by 2022. And of course, the only fuel available in that quantity is corn-based ethanol. But the shale revolution has changed the need for so much renewable fuel. And automakers argue that higher ethanol blends like E15 could damage older engines. Now the EPA is proposing to slash the 2014 target by nearly 3 billion gallons of renewable fuel. So we want to know what you think. Should the U.S. back off its renewable fuel mandate? Should it require cellulosic ethanol instead of corn ethanol? Or should it stick with the standard just as it is? Just click the survey icon below today's show notes to vote, and we'll reveal the results later this week. 
We've shown you airless wheel and tire packages in the past, but never on an ATV. The folks over at Polaris are launching a version of its sportsman model with what it calls Terrain Armor Non-Pneumatic Tires. These tires can drive over 350 miles after taking a 50 caliber round or 1,000 miles after driving over a railroad spike. So if you are gearing up for the zombie apocalypse or are just an avid hunter, the ATV goes on sale next month with a starting price of $15,000. Hey, coming up next, it's time for You Said It. Here's one of the great things about the all-around performance of our jeweler tires. Excellent traction. Do you need a ladder? Yes, I do. Okay. At Bridgestone, our passion for performance knows no bounds. And now it's time for some of your feedback. Chuck Grenchy heard our report about Chrysler coming up with a new kind of fuel tank for natural gas vehicles, but he says, the analogy of alveoli used by the Chrysler spokesman is incorrect. While the human lung can create more surface volume to fully realize the oxygen in the lung, by using the alveoli, similar to the folding of the human brain to create more surface area. When you're talking about storing compressed gas, absolute volume is the important value. Now, the making of non-standard shaped fuel tanks, well, that is a breakthrough but the physiologic comparison was incorrect. Speaking of corrections, Rob says, the air grabber was not available on the Superbird. Roadrunner, yes. And Dan Clemens says, the Flying Tigers flew the P-40 Warhawk, not the P-40 Tomahawk. Thanks guys, I knew it, even though I said it wrong. GM veteran wants to know, diesel incentives, why are they needed? Diesel does not have an infrastructure problem like electric, CNG, or hydrogen. It's readily available at every gas station I go to, and the technology is fully developed, unlike batteries and fuel cell stacks. To me, the only issue is the way the fuel is priced, and revising that is something that could be explored. And yeah, that's because the federal tax on diesel fuel is six cents higher than it is on gasoline. Also. The way the EPA calculates fuel economy is to assume that drivers spend 55% of their time in city driving and 45% on the highway. Volkswagen says this unfairly gives hybrids a higher number because they do better in city driving. Larry wants to know, why are U.S. auto companies in such a rush to develop the Chinese auto market? China is forcing them to form partnerships so they can develop their own engineers, designers, and such. It's blatantly obvious that China will be entering and challenging the big three in the U.S. market, costing them all sales. Well, Larry, the only reason all foreign automakers want to be in China is that it's the biggest market in the world. By 2030, it could be bigger than the U.S. and Europe combined. And strategically thinking, why would you want to leave that market all alone for the Chinese automakers? Gee, Jason Anderson wants something explained. I've heard many times on your show how profitable large body-on-frame trucks and SUVs can be for automobile manufacturers. What exactly makes them more profitable? Are the raw materials less expensive, the engineering development manufacturing easier, or is the market just such that premium prices can be charged? Well, first of all, it's got to do with scale. Those pickups sell in such volumes that the automakers can spread the development and tooling costs across so many vehicles. Also, 
SUVs can be built on the same frames, and they use a lot of the same sheet metal from the pickup cabs. But most of all, it's because some buyers will pay an amazing amount of money for these trucks. For example, a Ford King Ranch costs $20,000 more than a regular F-150, but it has nowhere near $20,000 more equipment added to it. Most of that money drops to the bottom line. Hey, thanks for all your letters and comments. We really like going through them all, even if we cannot answer them all. And be sure to check out our live coverage of the LA Auto Show this Wednesday, November 20th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. And it's being brought to you by our signature sponsor, Hyundai. I'll be talking with some of the top executives about the newest cars that they have brought to the show. That's this Wednesday at 4 p.m. at our website, Autoline.tv. And that wraps up today's report. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.